We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rivals. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. All right, welcome to a post-game edition of the Budding Heads podcast from Ramstock Radio. I'm Steve Ribeiro. I am here with Johnny Gomez. Uh, Johnny, the Rams pulled out arguably their biggest win of the season, at least second biggest behind last week's game. Uh, but it, it certainly feels like one of the strangest victories we've ever had uh, in that, like, both teams were trying to give this game away in the second half, and luckily, we just ended up being the one that inevitably won the game because somebody had to win it. Without a doubt, man. Like I've never felt a way in a way like I do now, where I'm extremely proud. Obviously, seeing that the Rams pulled out an impressive victory, but at the same time, it's like, man, the offense really didn't do as well as you'd hoped 
in a situation like this and we'll, we'll get more into it, but yeah, mix, mixed feelings on this one because even though they got the W, which is what basically matters most, it was, it, it could have been a much more secured victory since they controlled the game for the most part. But my God, at the end, I I don't think there was ever a moment in the fourth quarter where I'm like, you know what, the Rams are going to win this game. Until uh, like not one, uh, no, yeah when, yeah, when the clock ran out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's about it. But uh, yeah, such an odd feeling, and it's going to be an interesting podcast. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I I am excited, and we're recording this Monday night. The game ended. Uh, a half hour ago, so we we have really had like no time to uh, let our thoughts sit. But we're we're going to talk about this one. And um, before you do, uh, if you're new to the pod, listen to the episode. And if you enjoy it, throw us a rating on Apple Podcasts if you can. Uh, if you're if you've been around the pod for a while and haven't given us a rating, we would really appreciate it if you did. Uh, if it's a good rating for us, we will read it on a future podcast for sure. Uh, but let's so like to preface this. It's, it seems like tradition at this point that every matchup between the Rams and the Buccaneers just makes no fucking sense whatsoever. The The last three games, so this game being the third, but the, the two times before this game, um, since the team moved to L.A., we played in 2016. Johnny, I don't know if you remember this because I was at this game, so I won't forget it. Uh, the Rams were in the midst of blowing the lead and pretty much letting Tampa Bay get back into the game and win, and there was an hour storm delay in the like late in the fourth quarter and we ended up coming away with the victory in that game barely squeaking by and then last year's game uh, the final score was 55 to 40 Jared Goff almost threw 70 passes there was a thousand total yards uh there was that sequence where Marcus Peters got like eviscerated by Mike Evans on one play like for a touchdown and then the next drive he gets a pick six while guarding Evans and then this this was like the first half, it seemed like both offenses would not be stopped at all in this game. Just getting down the field at will. I mean, it was it was a very quick half. It was a really quick first quarter. Um, and, and when you look look at the game, you know it was just it, 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 that that first half went by so quickly. There was eight total drives. Five of them ended in points and. Yeah, one of them was a was a three and out for us. The, the the Bucks went out pretty quickly on their first drive. It just went by so quickly. But the both offenses seem like they're doing great. Uh, both quarterbacks, for the most part, were playing great. And then I don't know what happened at halftime to both teams, but it was just it, the offensively the second half was just miserable, and it's it's incredible that the Rams won this game considering how just how poorly they looked uh, beyond like maybe two drives in that second half. And there was a lot of drives because both teams uh, just refused to do much of anything for the majority of that half. It was just like when these two teams play, just expect it to be something bizarre. Uh, I think this is probably the strangest game we've played this year. I mean, I, I, I don't know how positive or negative we will be on this podcast, so I just want to preface this with this is a huge win against a team that we are directly competing for a wild card spot for. Uh, it's a conference win. It'll help us get closer to um, first place in the division. Are, are we in? 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna look now. I'm pretty sure we're in first place after. Yeah, after we are win, officially right? in first place with this victory. Beautiful. So a, it, it gets us in first place in the division, and b, um, if we don't end up getting the division, this is going to be huge for seeding because, like I mentioned, a bunch when we beat the Bears, uh, who are in the hunt but probably won't make the playoffs. Tampa Bay will be in the playoffs. They're a really good football team. Uh, they're tough to defend, and and we did a fucking hell of a job defending them, especially in that second half. But if we're tied in a wild card spot, we win. It doesn't matter what the conference or divisional records are. Head to head, that gets us. So <laughs> I'm sure we're going to have a lot of praise to heap on a lot of players in this game and a lot of hate to heap on a lot of players that we might like. Uh, and coaches will certainly be getting some of that as well. But like, I, I don't know where this is going to go because it was truly so weird. But this is a huge victory. For the Rams, and it's great that we're going to have this podcast after a win and not after a loss. For sure. Uh, I'll get to why I'm glad it was a victory. Well, obviously, I want the Rams to win, but uh, even more so, I'm, I'm glad uh, they won for a segment I'm going to harp on a little bit later. But, yeah, just to kind of add to what you're saying, Steve, this this is a very interesting win because – as far as as far as the quarterback play goes, I would say the only reason why the Rams win this football game is because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense just completely did terrible in the second half. Like they they did they played worse is basically what happened. They they were the worst offense this game. And you know, not to take anything away from either defense because obviously these are two of the best defenses in the NFC. Um, you know, they they have some amazing talent there. And it, it just goes to show you how much talent they have because you, when you have a guy like Tom Brady, even at his older age, you know, uh, struggling so much, uh, if you look at his stats even, like his stats aren't really that impressive in this game. He went 26 of 48. For 216 yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions, that's not that impressive. Those are, those are gross stats. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he got the two touchdowns, but in, in reality, he his percentage was awful. He had those two ugly picks, both to Jordan Fuller, by the way. Uh, I, I still have zero idea where the hell he was throwing the ball on both occasions. It, it, it only it, it seemed like he was throwing it directly to Fuller, and they were playing catch both times. But um, yeah, I, I mean, on the flip side of it, Jared Goff. I mean, don't get me wrong, Goff had his Jared Goof moments, and he uh, he nearly gave gave away the game several times in this game. But um, his stats are much different. Uh, you know, similar in attempts. You know. Uh, it, he had 51 where Brady had 48, but he went 39 of 51 for 376 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Yeah, uh, it just shows how bad Brady performed because there was several times where where the Rams marched down the field only uh, to turn the ball over. Moving the ball wasn't an issue for the Rams, but it was clearly an issue for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And it's, yeah, I think um, both quarterbacks made mistakes, crucial mistakes. 
But if we're going to say who had the better performance, you look at Goff's numbers compared to the ones you said for Brady. 39 of 51, 376 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. We, I, I'm like, can say this with like 95% certainty that there was a stat out there last week that said Goff had never won a game where he threw 50 attempts or more. We finally got it, Johnny. Here's the win. Uh, his first one with that number. But yeah, like, I mean, both of them too. Like, both, I would say, like, agree in everything you said on the defenses. They're both great defenses. But if really, like, if it, I, I don't know if I would say either defense really played phenomenal. Uh, the Rams defense has had a ton of really great performances this year. But this in this game, like, they they played good. There's a, I would never say here and say they played bad in this game, but like Goff's interceptions and and Brady's interceptions uh, and the mistakes made by both offenses, it seemed like I think the offenses themselves deserve more blame than the defenses get credit. And of course, the defenses deserve some credit. Uh, the Rams defense has proven time and time again that they're an elite unit this year. This is a really good Bucks offense, but like. It just felt like both of these offenses were just trying to throw this game away in the second half. And both offenses cooked a little bit in the first half. So I I, I am fine with this performance by the Rams defense by all means. Uh, it was a good game. They they beat a great offense. But it really, like, I feel like the it's more of a loss for the Bucks offense than a win for the Rams defense, if that makes sense. And that's fine. Like, a win is a win. Uh, but like really both of these both of these offices and I, I won't say quarterback specifically because for us it was definitely a mix of quarterback and play calling that set us back but I mean yeah Brady's interceptions were awful and credit to Fuller for being there uh big game from Jordan Fuller for sure but like John Johnson dropped one he should have had another uh, it was just it was a gross second half offensively oh without a doubt and it, one of the things we could both look at to to confirm how weird this offensive performance for both sides is obviously you see the amount of attempts that uh, both quarterbacks had, you know, both, um, you know, around the 50 attempt mark, you know, golf a little bit over, Brady a little bit under. But um, you compare that with the rushing. I mean, there was only 20 carries for the Rams. There was only 18 carries for the Bucks, and uh, the Rams ended up with a total of 37 yards, while the Bucks ended up with a total of 42 yards. It, it's such a weird, it's such a weird instance to see two similar types of play there or types of coaching here. It, it, it's bizarre. Uh, obviously, the Buccaneers are kind of known for having a very stingy rush defense. They're the best in the NFL, as far as I recall. That's correct, right, Steve? I'm not losing my mind here. I, I'm pretty sure that's correct. If not the best, they're up there. But I, I think we, they are the best. For sure. And then, um, you know, the Rams rushing defense is not typically known for being up there at – I mean, they're not bad. I think we give them a little more slack than they deserve sometimes. But – to limit two good running backs like, uh, you know, Ronald Jones, he, I, I mean, it surprises me to say that this year, but Ronald Jones has been no joke this year, man. He, he, he's been one of the better running backs in the league and to limit up to only 24 yards, Leonard Fournette is, 
you know, still a stud out there, but only got 17 yards, although he did get a touchdown. Um, it, it's, it's just a weird, weird situation here because last year, I, I don't know if it would be something similar like this. Of course, last year the points were doubled, so there's that. Yeah. <laughs> last year's games was, was definitely weirder, but this was equally weird. Um, yeah. Ronald, yeah, Ronald Jones is a good running back. Uh, I, I still believe in Leonard Fournette a little bit, although he, he was terrible in this game. But, like, in a matchup like this, like, yeah, the defense could have played better, but you also can't really ask for much more. Again, like, the, the Bucks receiving core is insane. I, I mean, Godwin, Evans, and Antonio Brown are all very good wide receivers and in this game the secondary they took some licks and and they took they they made some plays it was it was a game that against a good offense you this is this is fine this was a good performance by them I think pretty much everyone in the secondary made some mistakes and made some really good plays um and and the, the pass rush came alive they took advantage of the the Bucks weekend offensive line that was really in rough shape uh, and Morgan, Fo- how about this, dude? Samson Ibukim and Morgan Fox getting back-to-back sacks in that sequence. Um, perhaps should have been a fumble on the Morgan Fox sack, but uh, the the, re- the refs- perhaps should have been a fumble. Yeah, the the refs disagreed there, but um, it, yeah, it was it was overall a good game by the defense. There was a lot to like. Uh, a couple things. First off, fun fact. Steve, do you remember the last time that the Rams actually beat Tom Brady? No, I don't. That was back in 2001. Jesus. And it, yeah. So, so the last time we beat Tom Brady was before they beat us in the Super Bowl. The first time. Yes. That is disgusting. Hopefully we get a win against Bill this year, too. <laughs> that um that shows you how long Tom Brady has uh tortured the Rams. Um but I eh, got the last laugh in this game. Uh <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to be the guy that Steve absolutely hates and I don't care because I have to bring this up. The officiating was atrocious in this game. I I'm not going to sit here and say it was only for the Rams because there was some calls that should have went the Buccaneers' way also. But, my God, some of these calls. Like, one of the inter- – there was one interception that Goff did where it was totally Goff's fault, absolutely his fault. He threw it directly – well, not directly, but he threw it in the vicinity of uh, Jason Pierre-Paul. Um, Shout out to JPP, man. You forget, yeah. like, the dude has eight fingers and he's getting interceptions. That's true. He, he's a fucking baller, dude. I mean, I mean that in the highest possible compliment. Like that, that dude's a baller. He, he truly is, and you know, he's not—he's not a younger guy anymore. He, he's a veteran in every sense of the word. So, uh, man, I, I forgot about the finger thing. But, right. He got an interception. Uh, yeah. Like, good for him, man. He—he's baller. He did. That one—that was truly on golf, and yeah, there's no excuse for that one. But the other interception that Goff threw, the Buccaneers got away with a huge pass interference call there. Uh, and I, I was not going to blame the game if the Rams were 
were to lose this game on the officiating. But, man, the officiating was not good in this game at all. Um, I don't know, Steve. Am I overreacting? Yes and no. Um, the second pick by Goff was terrible, too. Uh, it was a bad decision. It was it was a bad pass. Um, maybe there was some pass interference. I'd have to go back and look at it. I honestly don't remember. But I remember uh, it wasn't really a catchable pass. Maybe that was because of the pass interference. But also, like, the safety that intercepted it was right there. So, but I will say, like, no, I mean, we, we got some, some shitty calls against us. The the fumble that didn't get overturned, I will say, A, no matter what happened, that was a great challenge by McVay. The reward of getting that fumble versus the risk of losing a timeout, you, you do that every time. And it was really close. Uh, it's hard to overturn. I, th- I don't think it – I think it should have been called a fumble on the field, and then maybe they could overturn it the other way. But tough to overturn that. Uh, the, the two – on Ramsey, though, were pretty big bullshit. The two pass interferences in the first half. Um, yep. Yeah, though those were rough. I, I will say it's warranted. But I I still am a firm believer that we do not have the right to blame games on officials for, like, what what was it, two years ago, the NFC Championship? So we have, like, yeah. eight years left on our, um, our cap of not being able to blame games on the officials. But, hey, we won, so it doesn't even matter. No, nah, no, nah, I, I wouldn't. And to tell you the truth, even if the Rams would have lost this game, as pissed off as I would have been, I still wouldn't have blamed the referees for this game because despite all of those terrible calls, there was a lot of moments in this game where the Rams could have actually taken control of this game and won, uh, you know, very decisively, but they ultimately didn't do that. And you even go to some of the decision making that the uh, that Sean McVay did in terms of the offensive play calling was just not good at all, and, and uh, it's frustrating because there are times where Sean Mc you 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 think to yourself at least throughout this game anyway you're like yeah you know the offense is clicking you know McVay is doing smart play calling and then you just kind of see them you know dump the ball off to Malcolm Brown on a third and eight and you're trying you know to put this game away and instead you have to rely on a field goal from Matt Gay who uh, was very inconsistent let's say that no give Matt Gay all the credit in the world man he was by far the best kicker we've had this year uh, because his missed field goal almost went in. Like, we have seen some of the shittiest missed field goals I've ever seen this season. And he missed a 44-yarder, but, like, he barely missed it. I, I will live with that. Uh, I will live with this game for Matt Gay. But, Steve, you see there, you, you said that he was one of the most consistent kickers this year. That's not saying much at all. <laughs> That that real, in fact, that that's like the most understatement of the year, right there. I mean, you you had such a horrible kick from Kai Forbath a couple games ago. Yeah, I'm where still made scar- I'm still scarred from that. And then Sam Sloman, the uh, oh geez, I I I don't I don't know if I've ever seen a more inconsistent kicker when it comes to uh, extra point attempts. But yeah, I'll I'll give Matt Gay his his props because hey, 
he uh, he came back to to Tampa, you know, and and essentially won the game for for the Rams, you know, sealing the game for the Rams and getting that twenty seven to twenty four victory there. So yeah, kudos. The NBA is back. Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rival. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Yeah, so yeah, I, I I definitely want to talk and like the whole offense as a whole. So like clock management again an issue and and I so I like because this is a national game and because I'm the only Rams fan anyone I know knows pretty much in real life. Um, I I, I talked to a lot of people during these games about the Rams and I, I was texting my brother and he just he kept pointing out like the fact that we were running the clock down to one second pretty much on like almost all of our plays uh and i feel like we always blame mcveigh for that like that's just what we as rams fans have just like grown to do uh but he was blaming it on on goff and like he had a point like (laughs) we were trying to do so many audibles and shit at the line uh and change so many things up at the last second and not snap it till the very last second which in part is why we have such bad timeout management and hey who know maybe maybe mcveigh is just yelling shit into his helmet when he's getting ready to pass and that's why it's getting so so bad there but whoever is doing it like it's be in this game clearly it was a big problem uh and in the first half i think he did it a lot and we got away with it because he was getting snaps off and making great plays but um like just the two the two grossest sequences of of this game to me came in the second half it was what you mentioned when he, we got that big completion to Cup, uh, and we basically just gave up and laid down on that drive and ran three terrible plays uh, for like a total of two yards and gave Matt Gay the kicker. And hey, in McVay's credit, we won the game. We made the field goal, won the game. So maybe he just didn't trust Goff, which I don't really think he trusts Goff at all. If, that, if there's one thing that's become clear this season, based on Sean McVay's play calling, he doesn't trust Goff as much as we think he should or thought he did. Um, because if he really trusted Gop there, you would have thrown it a li- you would have thrown actual passes. Um, but beyond that too, that the sequence after he got that huge fourth and one stop in the fourth quarter, where we come out fumble on the first play, uh, miscommunication by the center, probably because we're changing so much shit up on the line. Then we get a delay a game because again we're trying to get change so much shit up on the line, and then we throw that aforementioned interception uh, that you thought was pass interference. I don't know if it was, but either way, it was not a good decision on that play. It's like I don't know, man. It's it's it was such a bizarre game because offensively there were some drives where McVeigh was calling great plays, but even on those drives, we literally handed the ball off to. Tyler Higby in this game, Johnny. We ran a sweep to Tyler Higby. Like, on what point? Like, what? Is, what's the best case scenario on that play? We get four yards. Like, I I don't understand the logic behind using him in a sweep. And then to make base credit, like his mad scientist moment in this game that worked was we came out 
at the goal line with five wide, and the five players on the field were Tyler Higbee, Gerald Everett, Johnny Munt, Van Jefferson, and Cam Akers. And to his credit, it, it fucked up the coverage enough to sneak a nice pass in there for to Van Jefferson for his first touchdown. But like this was like the peak of all the problems that the Rams have had offensively uh, were coming to roost in the second half. And in the first half, like we got a lot of things going our way. We made a lot of great plays. Jergoff, uh, to his credit, despite all those issues I just laid out and the interceptions that were bad, overall, I, I, I will take the good with the bad and what we saw from Goff in this game. He had a really really efficient game when he was actually settling back and throwing the ball. But um, I don't know, man. Like, the 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 flaws were just coming out, and they were coming out in full force in the second half. And to their credit, usually we this stuff happens against, like, the Giants, and we sit there and say, well, if we were playing, like, the Bucks, then that shit wouldn't fly. And it flew in this game somehow, and we came out with a win. But uh, man, it was it was incredibly frustrating to watch, and just like for both offenses, just a really embarrassing second half, and especially the fourth quarter. So actually, before we move on, Steve, I I do want to mention, uh, or actually, rather, I want to shout out to the offensive line for the Rams. This is the first full game the Rams have had without Big Wit, and you know. It wasn't perfect, of course, but it wasn't bad. But you know? not not even remotely to me the reason why this kind of fell apart. No, not at all, not at all. It was not the fault of the offensive line at all. They allowed zero sacks. I, I have to I have to say there was even times where Goff looked very comfortable in the pocket because they had all the time in the world. You know, um, it wasn't every play, keeping that in mind. It, you know, there was times he was obviously pressured. But, you know, that's that's pretty impressive to lose your best offensive lineman and not give up any sacks. And this isn't exactly to a terrible defensive front either. This, this is an amazing defense. This was one of the reasons why Steve and I both picked the Rams to lose this game. Um, <laughs> we did. Glad to yeah. be wrong. I, I'm, you know what? I if I'm if I'm picking the Rams to lose, I hope I'm wrong a hundred percent of the time. In, in fact, I kind of want to be proven wrong all the time. Maybe I'll predict the Rams to lose more often. But um, <laughs> yeah, hell, fucking prove me wrong. I don't care. Um, but but uh, yeah, I, I have to give kudos. And one of the reasons, literally one of the biggest reasons why I picked the Rams to lose this week was because I did not think that they were going to fare well against the Buccaneers defense, especially without uh, Andrew Whitworth. So kudos to the offensive line. You showed up to play today and are a big part of the reason why the Rams won. Absolutely, dude. Uh, And JB Long on Twitter pointed out, we didn't call, we didn't, hear anything really about Joe Nopum in this game which is a massive win considering he was taking over for Andrew Whitworth against a a pretty loaded defensive line uh you know you got we talked about JPP we didn't even mentioned Nadamakan Sue Shaq Barrett so good on Nopu man stepped into some huge shoes uh and at least based on the eye test after watching the game played well the whole line I mean yeah the 
there wasn't really any any complaints about the offensive line, which is great. Uh, and this game super encouraging to see. So yeah, definitely shout out to them. Um, but yeah, uh, so and, and to kind of cap off the positives on the offense, like Cooper Cup, Robert Woods combined for two hundred and seventy five yards, which is fucking insane. Twenty three catches for two hundred seventy five yards between the two of them. Uh, overall in the game, Jared Goff had 376, so 100 yards to not those two guys. They were balling. They had, they had a great game here. Uh, we do not win this game without them. They are for sure the MVPs. Uh, and, and credit to Goff, who was finding them. Uh, for all the negative things I just said about Goff there, like overall it was a really strong game, but like, it, it's with Goff. Like, they're so – like. His highs can be so high, and it's just frustrating when he's not playing up that level. And for, I I would say, three-quarters, maybe even seven-eighths of the offensive snaps in this game, he was playing that high. But uh, a lot of the the problems in this game were on him, too. I I don't know. It's it's weird. (laughs) It was such a weird game. Uh, It's such a weird game. Um... Uh, I'm trying to think what else. other stats in this game. Um, Troy Hill led the way in tackles with six. Him, Jalen Ramsey, and John Johnson, and Michael Brockers, and Micah Kaiser had six tackles. Uh, uh, I'll give a <laughs> shout-out also to uh, two rookies, uh, Van Jefferson and Cam Akers, both getting their first touchdowns in their career. So that that was an exciting moment to see both of those guys uh, get to keep their football. Yeah, I mean Van Jefferson won a catch for seven seven yards, but it was it was a great catch and uh, he fell back into the end zone on his own. Uh, that was a really smart play by him. That was an awesome touchdown. And and Cam Akers had only five rushes for fifteen yards and one catch for four yards and a touchdown. But it, it we it felt like even though the snaps for all these guys were limited, Cam Akers kind of comes out the strongest because. Uh, he played fairly well in his limited roles. He he had uh, had a had a nice big ten yard or uh, eleven yard run, but also got stuffed on third down, which is ugly. Third and one. But uh, on the flip side, Daryl Henderson was horrible in this game. Uh, perhaps the worst player for the Rams in this game. <laughs> he was not good. Uh, unfortunately, it's a good run defense. Uh, oh, and we got to give a shout out. Tyler Higby had one rush for a yard. Uh, and hopefully the last rush of his career. Because, like, what are we doing? <laughs> uh, I, I mean, hey, you you look back in history and you see guys like uh, the refrigerator going and rushing the ball a couple times. Yeah. That, <laughs> and, there's that. No, because he's huge and hard to tackle. Like, Tyler, Tyler Higby's not that hard to tackle for <laughs> coming out of the backfield. I just... It's just like the Cooper Cup punt returning thing, man. Like, how do you draw that play up at okay, midfield? And you're like, hmm, yeah, this is a good idea. Like, like Sean McVay is so smart. Like, he knows that's a bad idea. Well, to his credit, Nassimba Webster looked god-awful as well as returning the ball today. Yeah, I'll, yeah, he I'll did. He's had his moments during the season. Yeah, I mean, he's clearly a better power returner than Cooper Cup. Like, there, there's no questions, no matter how bad he played in this game. Um, we didn't even mention Johnny the uh, 
the Tom Brady reception, right? Did that count as a reception? I it's not in the box score as a reception, but through a pass, Terrell Lewis deflected it. Tom Brady caught it and tried to throw it again. Um, made one of like the nine weirdest things that happened in this game. <laughs> it, it was an odd. It, it was like one of the weirdest plays I'd ever seen, and I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. Uh, but I didn't even know that technically counted as a penalty. So, yeah. Um, I, I mean, it wouldn't have worked even if it wasn't a penalty anyway, but it, it was just such a weird play. This whole game was so weird. It's so weird. I mean, you can't you can't throw a forward pass twice. Or I was like, why wouldn't every team do that on every play, you know? Um, it's such a weird game. Robert Woods had that uh, right before Cam Akers got stuffed on that third down. Robert Woods caught a pass, got a, got a little cute, didn't get the first down. We got a close third and one and didn't get it. It's just there's so many, so many positive takeaways from this game, but also like it's just a, just a lot of shit that leaves a bad taste in your mouth. I, and I will say um, we talked about the interceptions in the secondary that Tom Brady kind of handed to Jordan Fuller uh, and in – Overall in the secondary, like you look at you look at the receivers and the Bucks box score. Antonio Brown, eight catches for fifty seven yards on thirteen targets. Chris Godwin, seven catches for fifty three yards on ten targets. Mike Evans, five catches for forty nine yards on and a touchdown on nine targets. Godwin on touchdown too. Uh Gronk had two catches for twenty five yards on six targets. That's a guy historically who has cooked us. I know he's a little older, but um that that's big to stop him. Cameron Bray, three catches for twenty three yards on four targets. So I mean, there were there were clearly some plays where the guys in secondary got cooked. But considering the history this team has of getting like they have they got fucking roasted by Chris Godwin last year, and Mike Evans the the previous time we matched up with them destroyed us as well. So these these numbers are really good. Um, I will take. I will take this all day, this split box score from the receivers. Nobody really dominated. Nobody got into rhythm where they were destroying us. A lot of the Antonio Brown completions were pretty short. Um, These are all three, and even Gronk, four really, really good pass catchers. Um, Potentially at least two guys that are going to be in the Hall of Fame. Maybe we'll see what happens with Godwins and Evans for the rest of their career. But that's a big game from the secondary. Um, even with like, there were some plays where Troy Hill got cooked. Darius Williams got beat a little bit. You know, Ramsey had the penalties, but overall you take this game every time from the secondary in this matchup. Yeah. I, it, as far as the defense go, there's very, there's very few complaints overall. Just, I mean, there, there's a few things you can complain about. Obviously, you know, uh, at this point, do we even have inside linebackers? Like I, I couldn't even tell they were on the field most of the time. Uh, they, they look. You know, I will roast the inside linebackers all day when they deserve it. I, I don't really necessarily think they deserved it in this game. Uh, Brown, Godwin's, and Evans are never going to be their assignments. If they are, if you're putting Micah Kaiser on Antonio Brown. That's not on Micah Kaiser. That's on the defensive coordinator. Um, but I mean, the tight ends didn't do much. 
the running backs out of the backfield didn't do much, and the running backs in general didn't do much. So, I mean, hey, the inside linebackers played fine. Uh, I And you know what? Because they've been so hard on them in this game, Johnny. I, I noticed Kaiser's out there a bunch. Kenny Young was out there a bit. Dare I say a good performance from the inside linebackers? I will say it. I think, Steve, you're a little too much elated with this victory. Well, listen, not, because, not, like, the the players that would be their responsibility didn't do anything. Is that because of them? Maybe not. But it's not their – like, <laughs> they. I, I just – I can't say bad things about them because, like, what, what did they what did they do wrong? You know, it's – like like how uh, we didn't call Joe Nopun's name at all in this game – we usually only call Kenny Young and Micah Kaiser for negative things or tackles, and they they were fine. They were fine, man. And all I want from those dudes is to be fine, like just be fine. That I mean, dude, and I don't even mean that like in a negative way. Like we shouldn't be asking. I, we shouldn't be asking them to be anything more than fine. I mean, they're not that caliber of players. Uh, yeah, that's for sure. And if they're gonna be mad at me for saying that. They're in the fucking NFL, man. They made it. Who gives a yeah, shit? Sure. Uh, but uh, they they shouldn't be asked to do that much. And and in this game, that they, they they did exactly what they were asked to do, which was, you know, not let the running backs do much, not let the tight ends do much. Those are usually the the core duties of inside linebackers in today's NFL. Well, you see that that's where I get a little bit that that's as far as the running game goes. You you bring up some points there. Uh, to their credit, they were partially the reason why the running backs didn't get anything going at all. Uh, even though pretty much Leonard Fournette kind of beat himself a lot, but, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, Jesus, the guy dropped the ball at like four times. Yeah. I think, I think it was like something like four times he dropped the ball. He had one catch on four targets and I'm pretty sure the other three were drops that he didn't catch. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, okay, so give him credit there. That's great. But one of the things that I noticed was, as far as coverage, especially with tight ends, it wasn't most of the time the inside linebackers that were that were actually covering the tight ends. A lot of times you've seen guys like John Johnson come from up to, to actually – <laughs> to actually cover them and a, not- as as they should honestly those are the guys that should be covering their tight ends because kaiser can't cover anybody no offense to him he's been okay in, in run defense but but you see that's my point though like that that obviously has a major set of flaws because what happens if if somebody if any of the receivers catch the ball and gets by their cover man they're going all the way for a touchdown. Now, luckily in this game, Tom Brady played like hell, so that that was of an issue. But this is this is my point, though. Going forward, and I know that we say this a lot, especially against you know a team like the Bucks. You know, the Bucks are a great team, and obviously the Rams want to beat the the better teams out there. But against teams that are familiar, like our NFC West rivals, they're going to expose that every single time. And I'm just waiting 
for them to do that. And I feel like that's kind of how the 49ers got the victory over us, who, by the way, we're playing next week, right? Right? We are playing them next week, but a, a vastly different 49ers team than the last time we played them. The NBA is back. Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rival. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Well, no Kittle, so there's there's that. No Kittle, no Garoppolo. Uh, Mostert's not back, right? Like, I don't think he played against us. Did he play against us? If he did, I don't think he played much. I know oh, Garoppolo. He, oh, oh, dude, no, he destroyed us, and not did that he? might be an overstatement, but uh, he was he was getting it done, and then got hurt, and then Hasty came in, and Mostert hasn't played since. Just, just, sorry, I know some listeners probably are freaking out that he said he destroyed us. Uh, he he was making shit happen before he got hurt. Yeah, I, I do recall that because I, I do remember seeing him there, and I, I, I think I recall him getting hurt. So, yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah, that's that's my point because as much as I will praise the inside linebackers for – doing what they needed to do against the running backs. It, it really concerns me against teams on their tight end. Uh, luckily for us, the 49ers don't have Kittle in this upcoming game. Hey, Jordan Reed, not bad, though. Uh, let's see if he doesn't get hurt in this game. Yeah, no, look, I mean, I know divisional matchups should always, you should always be worried about them. I remember I had a huge ego going into that 49ers game because they were coming off a, a brutal loss to the Dolphins. Um, but yeah, that's right. <laughs> the way the way San Francisco has played in their last two games, like they they are terrible, um, and like they they're not getting the guys. I mean, we'll see. They're coming off a bye. They've had two weeks to prepare this game, but like. I, I look. You, we everyone knows how all Rams fans feel about Jimmy Garoppolo, but we should not be scared about the 49ers led by Nick Mullins right now, given how many players are injured uh, that they will not have in this game. That's true. I, I mean, that that is something to consider because there's a lot to normally be fearful of of the 49ers but i i have to say they're probably the team i've seen in recent memory i mean just on the offensive side of the ball it's very much also on the defensive side of the ball <laughs> i i actually in a weird way kind of feel bad kind of yeah, I mean, look, I, I would much rather beat the 49ers at full strength than not at full strength. But, like, yeah, dude, they, they, Nick Bosa's out for the year. Salmon Tom, Thomas is out of the year. Um, Ezekiel Ansa, I'm pretty sure, out for the year. D Ford might be back next week. Um, that's what his expected return date is to the next game. But he hasn't been around for a while. Uh, and those are all on defense, obviously. Offensively, Jimmy Garoppolo's out. 
George Kittle's out. I I don't know if either or I don't think Kittle's come back this year. Richard Sherman's been out. He might be back for our matchup. Um, like the list goes on, man. Mostert's out. He might be back. Jared McKinnon's questionable. Tevin Coleman's questionable. Uh, Jamichael Hasty is out. Debo Samuel is questionable. Uh, Brandon Ayuk and Trent Williams just got put on the COVID list. Like uh, Kiko Alonso is questionable. Um, See, is, is he on the Kiko Alonso's on the forty? Why did he come up in this article? <laughs> I, I read because I'm just reading the list on CBS of guys that are out. It's like what the, what the fuck is Kiko Alonso on this list? Um, but I mean, yeah, they're so banged up, dude. Like, and, and to the Rams' credit, you know, say what you will about the Miami game. It's, it's it's aged nicely since that game, but for the most part, we have taken care of business against teams that are worse than us, like definitively worse than us. And I think we're a better team than San Francisco in week six when we played them, but not at this level. Like we are way better than them. Like we, that game should not scare us. It's a divisional game, but it's at home. I mean, I don't, I don't know, man. I feel really good going to that game. Uh, since we won't be probably, this will probably be our podcast for the week. I mean, I would predict the Rams to win that game. Like uh, 20, 28 to 10 is my prediction. Um, I, I did not worried that they're, they're bad. Like, and, and they're not like they, they were deceptively bad after week five right now. They're they're straight up. Not good. Unless they get like a shitload of these guys back. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think that there's just too many guys out for, for the 49ers and, uh, it, it would completely shock me if the Rams even struggle in this game. I mean, don't get me wrong. I feel like that the 49ers will always play the Rams tough, even in this state. But I think that the Rams ultimately pull away with this one in a decisive, I'll say 34 to 20 victory. Yeah. And, and like, honestly, I, um, as as conflicted about this win as I'm sure a lot of us feel, the last two games have been huge for the rest of the season because we're seven and three right now. Rest of the season schedule: 49ers at Arizona, home against the Patriots, home against the Jets at Seattle, home against the Cardinals. Let's say, like we lose to the Cardinals twice and lose in Seattle. Okay. Um, the other three games are against a really beat up 49ers team, uh, a not that intimidating Patriots team, although uh, Bill Belichick never loses to us. And he, apparently his disciples don't either. So we, I, I'm, I'm not going to count that a victory until I see it. Uh, and then home against the Jets, which um, <laughs> like if, if we lose that game, then whatever, the playoffs don't matter because we're getting bounced in the first round. Um, so it's like winning the, – these are the two two of the hardest games for the remainder of the year we have, Seattle and Tampa Bay, and to come out of both of them with the wins, uh, it's a big deal. I, I, no matter how flawed this team is, I, I they, they are winning. They're 7-3, and three, and if you are in the playoffs – Anything can happen. And while it, when the Rams get to the playoffs, unless we win out, which, hey, who fucking knows? Um, I probably won't sit here and say that the Rams are the favorite to make the Super Bowl. But 
the the talent gap and and like the the gap between them and the top teams is not that much. Um, I don't think the Saints are much better. I don't think the Packers are much better, if at all. Um, like we're we'll be in the mix, man. We're we're a flawed team. We're I don't think we're as good as we were in 2018, but I don't there there's no team in the NFC that I can point to and say that team is gonna run is gonna buzzsaw everyone else in the playoffs. Like I might say about the Chiefs or even Pittsburgh, who's ten and Um, it's just, we're, we're in good shape to be in the playoffs. I'd be really surprised if we aren't, which is a really good thing to say by your team after week 11. Uh, this was a huge win tonight and long-term it's going to be really helpful. And we'll, if we can win the division, all the better. Um, right now it's, it's not out of the question that we could get the one seed, but we'll, we'll see, man. It's, It's early, but, uh, it's not, it's not impossible. Uh, you're, you're absolutely right. It, it's it's certainly doable with uh, with the way the Rams are playing. As long as they continue to play on a higher level and even higher than what we saw today, which is interesting because again, this wasn't this wasn't a bad team at all. This is a very good team that they beat. But to know that the Rams are better than what we saw on the field today. That just goes to show that the Rams are a much better team that they're giving credit for. And, you know, as long as they can continue to learn from their mistakes, to continue to come in and play, um, I I don't think there's going to be any problem seeing the Rams in the playoffs. And uh, that's interesting because when the Rams lost to the 49ers, we had a completely different tone. You know, there was a lot of, questions whether they were going to make the playoffs or not and that was just because they uh you know they're in a really tough division and you know they obviously had to get some key victories especially against the Seahawks last week so uh a very crucial victory here against a very good Buccaneers team who's you know looking to get into the playoffs themselves so probably uh, will be in the playoffs too for sure. I, I would be incredibly surprised if if they don't make it. But, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what, what ends up happening the rest of the season, seeing how this kind of shakes up, to see if the Rams could actually uh, maintain the top spot in in the NFC West because I feel like if you can be number one in the NFC West, you're doing pretty well for yourselves as a team. So I, I might say something a little controversial here because I talked about how the one Uh-oh. seed is is possible. Um, and I just clicked on the Saints schedule and listened to this bullshit, dude. Broncos, Falcons, Eagles, Chiefs, Vikings, Panthers. So the odds are they're going to be 13-3. and three. Like, <laughs> like, that's insane. That, that fucking sucks. <laughs> that is such a horseshit end of the season schedule. And listen to this, the two games before it, Falcons and 49ers, like, at the start of their just complete demise. Um, I think that was Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins started that game. So here's what I am going to say, Johnny. Seven teams make the playoffs this year. There's no buys except for the one seed. So while it would be nice to win the – oh, and also – not a ton of fans at games, not huge home field advantages, although we are undefeated and, and 
SoFi, I believe, right? Yeah, because the Miami game was in Miami, so we're undefeated at home. So I'm not going to say I would be upset if we were the number two seed, the NFC West champs on top of the world. We get to play the seventh seed. But getting the five seed, not winning the division, and getting whoever fucking comes out of the NFC East, if we're not getting the one seed, that's what I want. I'd rather have that than win the NFC East. Or win the NFC West. Like, you win the NFC West, you get the two seed, you're probably playing a team from the NFC West in the first round, the Seahawks or the Cardinals. You get that five seed, you might end up with Washington in the first round. Like, <laughs> like that's a real statement. Like, <laughs> that's what I want. That's, that is interesting that... Uh... Well, first of all, it's interesting that anyone from the NFC East team is going to, or in the NFC East division, rather, is going to actually win a playoff spot. The <laughs> Eagles are 3 6 and 1 and are a half game up against, ahead of the other teams in this division. I mean, hey, if you had to pick today, who do you think wins that division? I mean, it's almost like a coin flip. Like, who, who won't suck the least? Um, I guess I would say probably the Washington football team. I honestly, I I have no idea just because the Cowboys, I mean, they did score in an interesting victory over the Vikings. So there's that, but I mean, geez, you, you don't even know who's going to be their quarterback, you know, at the end of the season. That's, that's saying a lot there. Yeah, well, look, I, I got to say, um, I I wouldn't say I'm sold on Dallas after that victory, but I'm sold on Dallas after that victory in terms of winning this shitty division. Uh, I do not think they win a playoff game, but I just look, I just looked at the schedules real quick to see what it, what it is, and I think it's going to be Washington or Dallas. The Eagles schedule is rough, and Carson Wentz, holy shit, dude. Uh, we should save that for another podcast because he is fucking horrible um their schedule's tough the Giants' schedule's pretty tough dallas's schedule is washington at baltimore at cincinnati who's falling apart at 49 or home against the 49ers who have fallen apart home against the eagles at the giants um that's not bad the beyond that ravens game you're you're in pretty good shape so <laughs> as crazy as as this is going to sound, Johnny, this Washington Dallas three and seven versus three and seven Thanksgiving matchup has huge playoff implications. <laughs> that is insane. <laughs> what a uh, fucking joke. I mean, we we kind of saw that last season too, but I feel like it was it's on a much worse scale this year. I didn't think you could get any worse, but it really did. It got way worse. This is way way worse. worse. But I mean, I feel like as a whole, the NFC in its entirety has gone down, you know, and the AFC has kind of picked it up a lot for sure. Because you look at teams in like the uh, NFC South, it's not that strong anymore. You got the saints who, 
look like a complete beatable team, but they're having a cake schedule, so that helps. Um, the Panthers are the Panthers. The Falcons just completely, you know, blew off the face of the earth. Yeah, and then there's the Buccaneers, who are a talented team. But, yeah, the NFC West is still the toughest division in the NFC. Uh, NFC North is okay. You have the Packers, and beyond that is, like, whatever. No, it's it's really, I mean, it's the seven teams in the playoffs right now. Or, sorry, the six teams in the playoffs that aren't the NFC East, which are... The three teams in the NFC West, uh, us, Seattle, and Arizona, the Saints, the Bucks, and the Packers. And then beyond that, like, nobody's good. The The whole NFC East sucks. The three teams in the NFC North, like you said, they're they're okay. Like, But Detroit just scored zero points. Um, the, the Vikings just lost to the Cowboys, and, and the Bears are just completely imploding. Um, the, the, the Panthers aren't good. The Falcons are terrible. It, yeah, you're right. I mean, the NFC, like, I, it's it's pretty bad this year, and it, it's it's wide open because the Saints are the best team, and the Saints are not like they don't scare you that much. They're they're starting a tight end at quarterback right now, uh, and then you look at the AFC, uh, and there are nine teams with six or more wins, and in the NFC, there's six, and it doesn't look like the teams beyond that are going to be in the playoffs. The AFC, there's going to be. Two team, two good teams that missed the playoffs. The Ravens are out of the playoffs right now, so it's it it's a much better conference this year. Uh, and the two best teams in the league right now are clearly Kansas City and Pittsburgh. And then if you're talking about the third best team in the league, you can make a case for Buffalo if you wanna. Uh, I mean, it's probably the Saints right now, but yeah. <laughs> it's a good time to be in the NFC. And having that extra playoff spot is great this year because it really. Um, this would be a mu- these would be much different segments if we didn't have that seventh seed. Can I also say this, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, but like, I do not understand the Taysom Hill hype. I I I don't understand it whatsoever. They they completely overblown the win that the Saints had. Keep in mind that it wasn't a decisive victory over the Falcons of all teams. This is the Atlanta Falcons, one of the worst teams in the NFL. And they barely get a win over it. And all of a sudden, Taysom Hill is a hero. And I and I can't I can't help but thinking in the back of my head, I'm I'm not a huge Jameis Winston fan, but I I can't help but thinking that they would have had a much better victory had he been the starting quarterback. Dude, he's I, like the best backup quarterback in the NFL, Jameis Winston. Yeah, I I, I don't get it. I really don't get it. And, <laughs> not to take anything away from Taysom Hill because he has some unique attributes that uh, we don't normally see in a quarterback. But it, it just it baffles me. I, I I'll never get the hype. I really won't. No, you're, I mean you you cannot be in a bigger 
echo chamber possible with this take, Johnny. I mean, I cannot fucking stand the Taysom Hill thing. Uh, and I cannot believe I actually saw the day where he started a game at quarterback because I really never thought it would happen. But I think, like, A, Sean Payton, for no fucking reason, is obsessed with this dude. Uh, just another reason why Sean McVay is the most overrated coach in NFL history. He's He has Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas, and he gives the ball to Taysom Hill on offense. Uh, he has Drew Brees, one of the best quarterbacks of all time, and he'll pull him to let Taysom Hill do some bullshit. And even in this game, Johnny, they had Taysom Hill starting, and they were literally running wildcat at times in this game. Like, you're starting a running back at quarterback, and you're running out of wildcat. Like, what the fuck are you doing? I really think that he just has this weird obsession with Taysom Hill. He looked at the schedule with Breeze out, and he saw Atlanta, Denver, Atlanta, Philadelphia. Breeze is probably out for like four weeks, and he was probably like, you know what? Fuck it. Whatever. And then I guess the game after that is the Chiefs, so they're probably going to lose that game no matter what. He probably just looked at the schedule and was like, sure, let's do it. Like, I could finally get away with this. Uh, we're playing these garbage opponents. It's going to be so easy for him to look good. Uh, apparently, he could throw these trash deep balls that either get bailout pass interference calls or just caught because guys are falling down because Atlanta is horrible uh I I never understand it I I thank god we are not a New Orleans Saints podcast man thank fucking god (laughs) and this has been a rant by Steve Ribeiro god I hope they lose to Denver next week (laughs) yeah Steve is a huge Sean Payton fan he's a huge Taysom Hill fan but most more importantly He's a huge Jared Cook fan. You know, I I actually, first time in years, Johnny, in one of my leagues, I, I have no tight ends. And I picked up Jared Cook last week and just plugged him in because I was like, you know what? Fuck it, man. Like, I don't really care. I don't really want to think about this league. Like, he, he's playing good. And in those two games, he has gotten me a combined 1.1 point. So you know what, Johnny? I get what I fucking deserve. I sold out, and it's not working, and it's time to move on. I de- I deserved every bit of those 1.1 points uh, for selling out and picking him up. I literally don't don't acquire him in leagues because I can't stand him. Sean Payton, <laughs> what has he done over the last decade besides blow playoff games? Literally, everyone's like, oh, the Saints have these heartbreaking playoff losses. Why don't you fucking look in the mirror, dude? Maybe there's a reason you keep having these heartbreaking losses. Fucking bum. Uh, all right. Let, you want to wrap up the show? I don't think I could top that, man. That was hilarious. <laughs> um, just uh, go Rams. And, and, dude, ESPN, let him play. Let Taysom Hill be a tight end in leagues this week. Like, you could pick up Taysom Hill and start him at tight end. I mean, that I, I if I would have known that, I might have picked him up and he would have been my tight end. Oh, I did it in a league, and I won, but it's still dumb. And uh, I won as a direct result of it, and now they, they took it away because I guess they don't remove eligibility from players midweek. Like, well, you probably should have done it this week, ESPN. Jesus Christ. All right. Great win. Uh, we will be back next week. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Ribeiro, at johnny 5 not 6 at TalkRams. And look out for Derek and Mike's podcast recapping this game later in the week.
Tell Sean Payton, keep talking that shit. We gonna see him soon. You feel me? Whether you have your own bathroom or you share one with your family, a little extra help keeping the bathroom sink, counter, and mirror clean goes a long way. And Viva paper towels are for the long haul. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. And they clean like cloth, helping you keep the surfaces in your bathroom dry and fingerprint and toothpaste free. For an exceptional bathroom clean, there's Viva paper towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more. Ven a la venta sorpresa de JCPenney de jueves a domingo y descubre cuánto puedes ahorrar. Podrías obtener un cupón de 30, 40 o 50% de descuento extra en nuestra entrega en la tienda. Úsalo y ahorra en ropa de invierno para todos, cómodas pijamas y más. Además, todos ahorran 30% extra en jcp.com. Y aprovecha entrega tu auto. Juntos en celebración y paz. JCPenney. Cupón válido del 10 al 13 de diciembre. Entrega de cupones solo en la tienda mientras duren. Solo mayores de 18 años. Aplican exclusiones. Detalles en la tienda jcp.com. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com